From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bopernu here, your host for this week, with my friend and colleague, Lawrence Gillum. You are getting a little bit of a happier version of me this week. Um, certainly, we like the S&P 500 over 5,000, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but me personally, I like the Kansas City Chiefs uh, winning the Super Bowl last night. So hopefully... Everybody enjoyed the game. LG, I know you're a little under the weather, but hopefully uh, you enjoyed the game last night nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. It was an, an interesting game. It was a, a good competitive game. You know, it's it's always uh, it's always fun to watch a game that's competitive and, and goes to the last minute. Um, so it was a good game. I will say, though, Jeff, that you and I are are not one of the estimated 16 million people that called out today. So kudos to us for working after the big game. Yeah, especially given it's it's the team I've rooted for my whole life uh, that won. I, I did stay up a little later than normal, but uh, not not late enough to uh, not show up for work today. So, yeah, let's pat ourselves on the back. Uh, so, yeah, we got uh, a really good stock market to talk about. So we'll we'll hit that the milestone 5000 level. Uh, so, Lawrence, of course, you're our bond guru here at LPA Research. So we're interested in hearing your thoughts on where you can find value uh, in the bond market, the bond market's not getting a whole lot of attention now. It's really all about stocks and 5,000 and mega cap tech and all of that. But uh, it looks like there's some some sneaky value maybe in in bonds. So we'll 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 do that next. And then after that, hey, here's more good news, right? We raised our GDP forecast for 2024 in the U.S. A little bit in developed international uh, as well. That's mainly Europe and Japan, but really the bigger move. The more meaningful move uh, was in the U.S. as the odds of a soft landing continue to increase. Uh, and then finally, week ahead, um, it's a pretty pretty busy economic calendar. Uh, so we'll hit that and, and close it out. It is uh, Monday, February 12th, as we are uh, recording this about midday and, and, and stocks are up again today, adding to uh, last week's gain. So let's start with 5,000 on the S&P, big number. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly causes some people to think that maybe the market can't go higher from here. Uh, but that's certainly not what history suggests. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, looking at the intramarket performance from last week, it was a very growth-oriented and cyclically-led market again last week, which is really what we've been seeing uh, all year and, and even, um, you know, much of uh, the back half of last year. So you see the leaders... Tech up over 3%. Semis have been surging. Um, NVIDIA was up, I think, 9% last week. So that's a big reason uh, for tech strength. Arm Holdings has doubled in the last week. And it's actually a market cap of about $160 billion. So that is a meaningful amount of market cap added to tech enthusiasm. It really started a, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, I would say, um, you know, with good good results and good guidance from the likes of Taiwan Semiconductor. Uh, you know, even at times you've heard some good things about uh, from Intel. Uh, you've heard some good things from ASML, uh, big chip uh, equipment maker overseas. So that's really been an area of strength that's powered tech to, um, you know, essentially the best performance over the last three months. So um, you see here on the bottom left, growth uh, has strongly outperformed value. Actually, we think that'll continue uh, for a while here. The earnings power is strong. 
it's still a pretty slow growth, slow economy, um, you know, with generally, I would say, low and stable rates, as long as we don't get too far above four, that tends to be a good environment for growth. And then you've got um, the U.S. continuing to lead. If mega cap tech does well, it's hard for, for the international markets to keep up, with the exception of Japan. Japan's keeping up, uh, up 10% uh, year to date on the uh, the Nikkei. So really impressive performance there. That continues to be a market that we like. Uh, so turning to bonds and, well, anything you want to chime in on with commodities and um currencies lawrence uh i thought the high yield performance last week was interesting yeah so it's been a slow start for the fixed income markets after the uh the strong end to 2023 in terms of of fixed income performance uh it's not altogether surprising that uh bond market really hasn't done much this year uh over the over the past week in general fixed income markets were down the ag down about a percent uh in line with treasuries and mortgages also down about a percent. We've seen rates higher, which we'll talk about in just a second, because of the unwinding of expected rate cuts that were priced into the market to uh, to end the year last year. We've we've been saying for a while now that some of the we think that those rate cuts are overdone, and uh, some of this backup in, in yields is um, it, it is uh, is warranted in our view. Uh, but that does mean that. Uh, performance is 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 negative for now. Uh, we don't think obviously that it's going to be a negative year for fixed income. We do think uh, yields are going to fall from current levels, but it's just going to take some time uh, until the Fed starts cutting rates. Uh, but we do expect at least four rate cuts this year by the Fed, and uh, until we get either some softer economic data or you know the continued trend in inflationary pressures or disinflationary pressures, we're likely going to be in this trading range. But uh, in the meantime. Uh, we're likely going to see these these negatives in front of, of some of these indexes uh, over the over the near term. We do like the core bond space, which we'll talk more about in in just a second. But to your point, Jeff, the high yield bonds outperformed last week. Uh, they were uh, they were positive on on the week, uh, and frankly, the high yield bonds are not overly cheap at this point. In fact, you could argue that they're pretty expensive. Uh, but there is a, a carry component with high yield bonds that is attractive for a lot of investors. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in just a second too. But um, uh, in the meantime, like I said, core bonds negative on the week, negative on the year. Uh, but we do think that uh, the the fixed income complex overall over the course of 2024 is going to outperform cash and uh, and, and generate some some kind of call it mid to to a high single digit returns in in 2024. Yeah, we're we're still recommending a slight overweight to fixed income funded from cash uh, in the uh, asset allocation uh, recommendations from LPL Research, um, and that allows you to still be neutral equities. So, you know, again, we've had this pretty big rally. Uh, certainly, we we get that, uh, but for now, we're riding it. The momentum is is quite strong. A little more on the S and P. Uh, well, first here you see this this run to five thousand has been. Uh, tremendous, of course, and this is a really strong chart. But yeah, you know, we're a little overbought, and we probably need a little digestion. I think most technicians would tell you that certainly. Um, but if you, I didn't go back further on this chart. But if you go back a little further to the prior highs at the start of 2022, um, we're only about five um, percent above that level, right? So a five percent gain. 
from January 3rd, 2022 to now certainly doesn't make it seem like we're too stretched. Um, also, you know, this bull market is up about 40 from October 2022. Uh, we did about 21 and then another 14 uh, year one, year two. So this is a pretty typical year two bull market, but the difference is year one was was pretty tepid, right? The average year one of a bull is up 40 and, and we were only up a little over 20. So sure, are we stretched? Yes. But, you know, when you look at how how strong this bull market has been and compare it to history, it's really not that strong, right? And again, look at January, 2022 to now, we haven't really made a lot of progress. So feels like we're way up in the clouds. We're really not. Um, uh, now I get it, the valuations are a little high, uh, but that's not a great timing tool. It doesn't tell you, you know, when we're going to correct. We need a catalyst. We're watching very closely for that, of course. But right now, based on the strength of fundamentals, and I'll show you an earnings chart in a minute, we think this, this rally is, is, is justified here. Um, so this chart just shows how strong the S&P has been over the last 15 weeks, right? This is, this is the first time, this is remarkable. The first time since 1972 uh, that you've seen the S&P 500 up 14 out of 15 weeks. That is, that is tremendous consistency, right? Now, you could certainly uh, draw the conclusion that we need to sell off from this, but history actually doesn't suggest um, that that's the right move. In fact, I got these numbers from uh, Bespoke, uh, Bespoke Investment Group, or BIG as we call them. They do a great job with these stats. Um, the um, This is slightly different, but the same concept. There have been 15 other streaks. There have been 15 streaks where we went 70 days without a 2% dip, okay? After those dips, uh, after those periods with no dips, the S&P was up an average of 13% for the subsequent 12 months and up uh, 87% of the time. Just really, really strong performance. And this is, it syncs up with the stats we've been sharing in recent weeks, right? When you hit a new high, stocks go up double digits on average the next year, um, especially if there's been a long um, wait for that, new high, right? And then when you hit the 5,000 milestone, it's the same thing. This is from Adam Turnquist, our chief technical strategist. After the S&P 500 hits a major milestone, what happens? Double digits for the next 12 months on average. I know it's a small sample size, but still makes the point that strong momentum tends to continue. And a break to a new high is not a reason uh, to sell. In fact, you know, you could argue it's a reason to buy. At the very least, you get average returns. I thought the six month was interesting here. You only need six months from these highs to go to to to, to get up 9% on average, with again, almost up nine out of 10 times. So uh, great message, I think, for folks to, you know, get more comfortable owning stocks here, uh, despite how far we've we've gone. We've also had a great earnings season It started out really messy. Um, we, I'd say two weeks ago, it looked sort of typical. After last week, it looks quite good. Uh, yeah, I won't go into all of these um, details. You can see them here on the screen. But I'll just say to get almost three points of earnings growth in a week, which is what we did, is really tremendous. Right? So we went from you know tracking to maybe one to tracking to close to four on S&P 500 earnings growth for the year-over-year. For the, uh, 
2023 to Q4 2022. So this has gone to um, a really solid place. And if you look at where the earnings power is coming from, it's coming from Com Services, which is where Alphabet and Meta are. It's coming from Consumer Discretionary, which is where Amazon and Tesla are. And although Tesla didn't help uh, the earnings growth last quarter. And then from uh, technology, of course, again, where that strength in semis is. That alone was 10 points of S&P 500 earnings growth. So the only reason we're only up four is because we've had some big drags, financials, energy, and healthcare. Uh, last point here, guidance has been quite good. Last week, the forward estimates, that's 2024, actually went up slightly, which is very rare for this stage of earnings season. And we're only down about a half a point in, in uh, the year-to-date period. 2024 estimate consensus, S&P 500 earnings is holding up very, very well. So that tells you that those numbers are believable. Uh, so really good earnings supporting the um, S&P 500's uh, advance. So uh, Lawrence, let's go back to you and talk about uh, the bonds again. And then we'll wrap up with the GDP change and uh, the week ahead. So, you know, you'd mentioned a couple of... Um, you know, areas of the bond market that, you know, you think are attractive. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we're going to look at yields and and you say they're they're range bound. I look at this chart and and sure, looks looks pretty range bound to me. What does that tell us? Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick, uh, just one one comment on the earnings uh, quality that you, you mentioned earlier. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the high yield market has, has performed as well as it has this year. Uh, relative to the other markets, uh, a lot of these higher yielding companies, these uh, non-investment grade rated companies have outperformed their earnings expectations. And we've seen a bump in a lot of these these smaller cap companies as well. So uh, it's it's not just a, an equity story. It is also a credit story. And, and the credit markets, while not cheap at all, are still looking good from a fundamental perspective. And that's translating into positive returns for uh, for the high yield sector in particular. So wanted to call that out real quick. Uh, but as it re relates to rates, we do think we're in this uh, trading range for the for the foreseeable future, it, well, the near term anyway. Uh, that big decline in yields that we saw to end the year last year was because of an aggressive rate cut campaign expectations by the market. Markets were pricing in upwards of seven rate cuts in 2024. We th thought that was too many. Uh, we've been talking about perhaps four rate cuts in, in 2024 uh, so that the the slight backup in in yields that we've seen uh, over the course of this year, there's been about a 0.3% increase in 10-year Treasury yields this year uh, from the 388 that we that we uh, started the year. We're around 418 now, um, uh, currently. So uh, it, it has been an, an upward trajectory in in yields. We think that we're in this 375 to 425 range uh, as long as the 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 data comes in better than uh, expected. Uh, if we continue to see this disinflationary story play out, if we continue to see good economic growth, it looks like the Fed's not going to be in any hurry to start to cut interest rates. Uh, so, uh, you know, the until that happens, we're, we're in. We think we're going to be in this kind of three seventy five, four twenty five range. So, um, it's important to remember, though, that you know, if if you buy a, a fixed income instrument, a, a treasury security that's yielding four eighteen. Kind of that's your expected return over the life of that instrument, regardless of what it, of what interest rates do. So, uh, when interest rates back up like they have recently, that's a, it's a, a good reason to start to look at fixed income again because your yields and your expected return over the life of that instrument is higher now than it was 
uh, to, to start the year. So uh, the fact that we haven't seen yields fall, you know, tremendously from from current levels is a good thing for uh, for fixed income investors. It makes fixed income more enduring over time. Um, so, like I said, just because we haven't seen yields fall uh, doesn't mean there's something wrong with the fixed income market. It actually just makes it a, a more compelling story over time. Yeah, and we're getting falling inflation. We're getting, we think, a little bit of a slower growth economy in in twenty twenty four. You know, if the Fed follows through with these cuts as we expect, um, you know, you would think that would put some downward pressure on rates. Yeah, the 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 challenge uh, thus far has been the amount of supply expected to come to market this year. Uh, we've talked about just the amount of Treasury uh, issuance, a lot of Treasury issuance. Uh, expected to come to market this year, which which would generally mean uh, that yields won't fall as much as they otherwise would have absent the increase in supply. Uh, the, the Fed policy is still the primary driver of interest rates. So as the Fed starts to cut rates, we, we will likely see yields fall from current levels. Uh, but we're not we may not see as uh, a, a big a decline in in Treasury yields because of the supply challenges. Although last week was the first big challenge, uh, first big hurdle for the uh, Treasury market in terms of increased supply. Uh, there was a three-year auction, a 10-year auction, and a 30-year auction last week. All of them outperformed expectations, and there was a lot of demand uh, and, and, uh, and kind of quieted perhaps some of those folks out there that think that um, we're going to see, you know, five, six, seven percent type uh, yields on these treasury securities because of the increase in supply. We don't we don't think that's going to happen. Um, so a lot a lot more supply coming to market. So it's it's obviously still too early to, or too soon to to say that uh, the the su supply demand picture is in is in complete balance. But it was encouraging to see the amount of demand last week to to take down these larger auction sizes. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, so yeah, if we can hold in this sort of low fours range till we digest more of those treasuries uh that that can be helpful for uh the outlook no doubt um although for me my goal is just to not say fed rate hike anymore and say cut because <laughs> too many times people slip up we're looking for fed cuts looking for cuts uh so far so good during the last uh you know 10 minutes or so so um turning to credit this is you know you Small caps have shown a little bit of life. Uh, I think despite the fact that we've had a troubled, you know, regional bank struggle with commercial real estate here, that's got a lot of headlines over the last um, couple of weeks, the credit markets overall continue to hold up well. I think that's probably what's encouraged the market to start buying small caps lately. Um, you know, we haven't seen much sustained outperformance from small, but I think they're up uh, they've outperformed, I believe, five out of the last seven weeks. So seeing a little bit of life out of small caps, that probably aligns somewhat with this calm credit market, I would say. What do you think, Lawrence? Yeah, for, for sure. As, as we talked about earlier, the, the, the fundamental story for corporate credit, for the corporate credit markets, is, is still a fairly positive one. Um, certainly, there'll be pockets of of, um, of angst or, or pockets of, of areas where there could be an increase in defaults. But uh, when the when the Fed pivoted, when when uh, Chairman Powell pivoted from this higher for longer narrative a couple months ago, really potentially took the uh, the worst case scenario off the table for a lot of these high yield corporate credit borrowers. Uh, there's still going to be a refinancing wave. A lot of these issuers still.
still have debt that's uh that's very very cheap, very low interest rates. They are going to have to roll that and refinance that eventually at these higher higher yields. But uh, you know, it, it, it's not going to be as painful and and uh, and dramatic as it as it was call it six months ago. So, uh, and and because of that, we've seen the the corporate credit markets rally uh, and really price in this soft landing narrative that um, that uh, that. Uh, markets have, have really, frankly, fully embraced. If, what we're looking, what we're showing here on the screen is the uh, the option adjusted spread or the additional compensation for owning risky credits. Uh, so, if you look at the high yield corporate credit market right now, you're uh, only getting about three uh, percent over comparable treasury securities. So, uh, in our view, that's not a lot of of compensation or additional compensation for owning some of these riskier debts uh, or riskier credits. Now. We don't think that that spreads are going to widen significantly from from current levels, uh, because of the economic uh, backdrop has improved, and because the fundamental story still looks fairly positive. Uh, we just don't think spreads are going to tighten very much from current levels either. So you're kind of just sitting here collecting coupon, which is fine. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, these these bonds are still yielding six seven percent, um, but there is not a lot of, in our view, upside. Uh, outside of just clipping coupons for the for the corporate credit markets, if you look at just in, as where these spreads uh, uh, are relative to history, the high yield corporate credit market at at three point one five percent over treasuries is in the tenth percentile, meaning ninety percent of the time spreads have been higher. Uh, and then for the high grade index, uh, a similar story at. 0.95% over comparable treasuries. It's in the 19th percentile. Uh, so nearly 81% of the time, spreads have been higher. You're, in general, you get uh, compensated more for owning these types of, of fixed income sectors. Right now, uh, you know it, it, the markets are really pricing in this, this soft landing. If we get anything other than that soft landing scenario, uh, we could see spreads widen from, from current levels, though. So uh, we're not overly optimistic or or, or uh, constructive on corporate credit, uh, but there is an argument for longer term investors that can handle some of that volatility to, to take advantage of, of some of these higher yields that you're getting in these markets right now. So, Lawrence, does that mean you think investors should focus more on the defensive characteristics of fixed income and the and obviously the, the yield um, and not think so much about you know, tightening of credit spreads to potentially generate returns? How should people think about building portfolios? Yeah, for, for, for these markets in particular, like I said, we're unlikely to, to get spreads uh, tighter than they currently are. Uh, it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that we're going to see spreads wider than they are currently, given the economic backdrop. But um, our, our, our view is that uh, if, if you're a, a 60-40 type investor, you can take your risk on the equity side uh, where you can have some you know decent price appreciation whereas on the high yield uh, uh sector for example i mean you're you're probably only going to generate a, a a 5 to 6% type return but with the potential for a you know a, a bigger loss there if things don't go the way markets are pricing in so uh you know the great thing about fixed income, and there's a, a lot of great things about fixed income, is that you don't really have to take on a lot of risk unless you're getting compensated for it. That's what your equity allocation's for. Uh, so our view is, you know, stay up, stay up in quality. Uh, if you are interested in owning high-grade corporate bonds, our preference has been in the short to 
intermediate part of the corporate credit universe, it, you're not taking on as much duration risk or interest rate risk, and you're not taking on as much credit risk in that part of the corporate credit curve, uh, but you're you're getting similar type yields. So uh, it it does, um, it, it, it is helpful to be a little bit more nuanced in your corporate credit allocation than just owning the index. We think that there's a better way to do that. And that's how we've uh, allocated within our discretionary asset allocation models to make sure that we're not taking on too much risk without getting uh, uh, the, the appropriate compensation for that risk. Yeah, if you're not getting compensated for either interest rate risk or credit risk, don't take much. And we don't know when this market's going to turn lower. Uh, and maybe the fixed income market will give us a clue as to when that might happen. Uh, but until then, um, yeah, I agree. Take your risk on the equity side and have that fixed income cushion when you need it. You know, when, it, at some point you'll need it this year. I suspect this market will not go uh, straight up between now and December 31st. <laughs> so it's really nice to smooth out the ride with some fixed income and you can get good yields, which you couldn't get a couple of years ago. So um, you got one more slide on uh, bonds. I know, Lawrence, which is about valuations of the different bond sectors. Um, a lot of these dots and diamonds are up at the top of the bars. So what does that mean? That means that valuations are still relatively attractive versus history. Our look back window here it, it, uh, is is the uh, I, I believe it's 2007. So yields that we're seeing in, in a lot of these fixed income markets are still amongst the highest they've been in uh, over a decade, uh, close to close to two decades here. So um, we, we still think there's a lot of value in some of these higher quality fixed income sectors. Uh, we talked about corporates, although uh, you know they're they're yielding that 5.3 percent at the index level. The short to intermediate part of the, the corporate credit universe is yielding around 5.1%. So you're not giving up a lot of yield to invest in these short to intermediate parts of, of the, the corporate credit universe. Our preference, though, is, again, to stay up in quality. AAA rated mortgage-backed securities are yielding around 5%. Treasuries are yielding around 4.5%. Uh, and those are going to be your ballast if things don't go well. Uh, right now, if... if if interest rates don't change at all, if, if yields don't change at all, and, and the Fed uh, only cuts rates four times this year, like like our expectation, and uh, and, and say the 10-year Treasury yield doesn't move a lot from current levels, your expected return for these fixed income markets is your starting yield. So you could get a 5-ish percent type return by owning triple uh, A rated mortgage-backed securities. But if things don't go so well and the economy falters or there's a, a bigger perhaps geopolitical event uh the, the uh we could see yields fall from current levels and that's when you start to, to generate these high single digit low double digit type returns for owning uh this, this high quality fixed income uh sector so our, our preference is to invest in these mortgages the ag treasuries even munis uh, high quality munis clip the coupons collect the income uh, and if things don't go well in the economy or in the in the uh, uh, the geopolitical realms, uh, you you have that buffer, you have that uh, ballast to your to your riskier segments of the fixed or of, of your uh, the riskier segments of your portfolio. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. Um, this is what diversification is supposed to look like, right? You're it's a little bit of an insurance policy. And by the way, with you know how far stocks have come, we. 
we're going to have to review our fair value target on the S&P 500 because we've just raised uh, our GDP forecast, as I'll get to in a minute. And uh, of course, stocks are just um, tolerating higher valuations at this point than we thought they would this early in the year. Uh, so, um, you know, the upside in equities is getting a little bit more modest, the upside potential, right? We don't think we're going to go full-blown late 90s. So in that environment, the risk reward for fixed income might even look a little bit better uh, than, than equities here because of the, the lower risks. So I uh, thought that's um, worth highlighting. So let's quickly go through the GDP change. This is the subject of our weekly market commentary. Uh, Jeffrey Roach, our chief economist, did a really nice job spelling out why we've gone up. We're basically consensus now. We went from 1% to 1.4% on U.S. GDP, and we took the advanced economies GDP forecast up 0.1. So there's a little bit of spillover. If the U.S. does better, you know that's stronger exports for uh, the rest of the world. We left the Eurozone and emerging markets alone. So this is really just a U.S. call. So why do we do it? Number one, job market stronger than we thought. Stronger than first reported, too, by the way. So the December upward revision in, in payrolls was huge. Uh, and we got some upward revisions in payrolls in October, November, too. So when we started writing the outlook and you know, last fall and we published those forecasts, uh, they, they were based on an assumption that the job market was a little bit weaker uh, than it actually was. And of course, that's you know, more jobs is more pay for consumers and more money to spend. Uh, the other big reason that we uh, raised our forecasts is uh, we're seeing, you know, banks ease lending standards, and we've seen loan demand pick up a little bit. This is from the Federal Reserve Senior uh, Loan Officer Survey uh, that they conduct with banks. And so the top line, it's it's broken out into large banks, small banks. Uh, but the the sort of grayish blue lines at the top, um, that is the percentage of banks tightening. It's coming down. The orange and blue lines at the bottom, percentage of banks seeing more loans, more demand for loans, that's ticked nicely higher. I'm just talking about in the last you know few quarters. So this is a it, it syncs up, Lawrence, with what you were saying. The credit markets are doing pretty well, look pretty healthy, and um, you know that's certainly reflected in the risk that banks. Uh, are willing to take. Now, here's a little bit of the other side of this. You know, the good news on the economy, this is dividing um, consumer spending into services and goods. So if you see services, which is the uh, blue line at the top, it's gotten back to its trend. Remember, services economy was shut down during COVID. Now, obviously, the economy is fully open. So you're seeing back to trend services spending. Right, but if you look at goods, goods got way ahead of themselves, way above trend. We were buying a lot of stuff during COVID that, you know, got delivered onto our porches. Uh, that has come way down, uh, but you know, closer to trend. But it's still got more to come. So um, that is really the main reason, um, you know, why you're going to see slower economic growth this year. Um, it's still, you know, one and a half would be fine, but it's it's certainly slower than the closer to you know, two, four that we saw last year. So um, that's that. That's our weekly market commentary, which you can find on LPL.com on raising our GDP forecast. By the way, we also have a section in there on fiscal spending potential. So there's even upside to those GDP forecasts. If we get a tax bill, they're working on it in Congress now. 
There's upside to defense spending expectations. We know about the defense uh, bills, you know, aid to Ukraine and Israel, Taiwan. If, we don't know if that's all going to come through, but if it does, uh, you've got some nice upside to the economy in 2024. So um, let's preview the week, Lawrence. I know you look at the calendar closely. I mean, I'm I'm eyeing the CPI. We get a two handle on the headline CPI year over year. I think that would be a pretty cool message for the markets. Uh, what are you going to be watching this week? Yeah, it's all about the inflationary picture as well as retail sales. So uh, we'll see if we continue to get these this uh, disinflationary story, which is a positive one for sure. Uh, I believe that we recently changed our inflation outlook as well, right? So we we think that the the, the Fed is going to get back to target, back to two percent uh, sometime this year. So the inflationary story could be a 2023 story and not necessarily a 2024 story, which should allow the, the Fed to start to cut rates. Uh, and then retail sales, we know that the consumer has been uh, stronger than expectations. And, uh, you know, if, if we go by the, the survey data, it looks like, uh, the, you know, retail sales should be another positive, another positive growth story. Now, a couple things just that aren't on here. There is Fed speak this week. There's, I think, a nine or ten different Fed speaking engagements. That tends to bring volatility to markets. Uh, so we'll have to see how they those those play out. But importantly, on the fixed income markets, we talked about the amount of supply coming to market. No auctions this week, so we don't have to worry about uh, figuring out if there's solid demand or not. So it uh, should be a, hopefully a quiet one on the on the fixed income side. Yeah, the you know the markets had some time to adjust to fewer rate cuts. And um, you know, I, I think most of that process is probably behind us. There there could be a little bit of a, I mean, tantrums too strong of a word, but maybe some jitters if we, you know, get to the point where the market's pricing in three instead of four, four instead of four and a half. But I mean, the move from from seven to four and a half, I think was was really the, uh, the, the big one. So hopefully the market adjusts comfortably to, um, you know, fewer cuts from here. Uh, we'll have to see. Obviously, that'll be in the back of the market's mind, investors' minds, as we get this uh, inflation data this week. So, yeah, it's pretty much all about inflation. I think the retail sales maybe there. There's a little bit of risk to the downside because of the weather. Uh, it was really cold in some parts of the mid Midwest, and and to some extent in the Northeast, uh, and that that freeze could end up. Uh, translating over into soft retail sales. But the expectations from economists aren't really that robust anyway. Um, you know, up 0.1% X autos month over month or down 0.2% month over month uh, all in. So that'll get some attention, but um, don't expect uh, too much in the way of spending in, in January. You also have people who spent a lot during the holidays and took a break. So... Um, We'll go ahead and stop there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, certainly, Lawrence, greatly appreciate your thoughts on the bond market. Uh, Lord knows, as a chief equity strategist, I don't know a lot about bonds. <laughs> so glad you were here to uh, to uh, paint the picture there of some areas in the bond market that uh, look, look interesting. So um, we'll go ahead and wrap there. Everybody have a wonderful week. Uh, as always, thanks for listening to LPL Market Signals. We'll see you next time.
This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.